Welcome to the 2016 Bevy Awards, presented by the Bird's Eye View Podcast. With appearances by the OBP Podcast, Orioles Uncensored, Utah Street Report, Birds Watcher, Baltimore Sports Today, Between Two Birds, Perched at the Yard, Camden Chat, The Baseball Widows, and Roar from 34. Now, here are your hosts for the bevies, Jake English and Scott Magnus. Thank you, Jovial J. Welcome, one and all, to the fourth annual Bevy Awards. Let's face it, the first one of these we did wasn't particularly a good idea, and this one promises to follow in that proud tradition. That's right, this should be brutal. Now, for all of you playing along at home, the Bevies is a mid-season award show where we recognize all the quote-unquote best from the bird or osphere. It's our way of taking a love and or mean-spirited look back at the first half and look ahead to the second half. That all sounds great, but this is basically a way to pump out content when the All-Star break robs us of content. It, it is, isn't it? Well, yes. All right. Well, Scotty, this is a special season. Say what you will about the rough parts we've experienced this season, but the Orioles are 15 games above 500, and the magic appears to be back in Birdland. And with such a special season, we should have an equally special opening to the 2016 bevies. Mm, I don't like where this is going. What exactly did you have in mind? As I recall, this is a part of the show where we lose listeners. Well, with the opening of this show, we wanted to take a look back at one of the major storylines of this past season, which, of course, is starting pitching. So without further ado... Oh, God, help us. Who is starting for the Orioles today? Why can't they just DFA this guy? Him again? You've got to be kidding me. They have to be able to get somebody better than this. How does this guy still have a job? I think I did it again. I made you believe that a starter could win. Oh, baby, I will probably get crushed. But those fans will still blame Wallace and Buck. Just to lose all my decisions. That is just so typically me Oh baby, baby, cause I did it again I gave up a dog and I lost the game Oh baby, baby, cause you think I can pitch That I won't implode I'm not that competent You see my problem is this I belong in Triple A, wishing that I did not issue those hits. I cry watching the film. Can't you see I can lose in so many ways? But to lose despite a big lead, that is just so typically me. Oops, I did it again. 
And I lost the game Oh baby, baby, oops I have no command This game's over in the first I'm not that competent I guess another disappointing performance from a starter. Yeah, capable of better. Just uh, we haven't been pitching real well, and uh, I, I'm sure that the pitchers will say they may have some pitches they could have made better, as well as some pitches I could have called better. Quite frankly, professionally embarrassing. Oops, I touched the bullpen again, and I lost this game, oh baby. Oops, you think that this time. For some reason, I feel strongly aroused in my pants right now. That does usually happen when you hang out with me. I, I know it's a pretty standard response. Jake, you've outdone yourself once again. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to keep it a little bit more simplistic in fashion for this episode uh, and for this musical title that I am presenting now. I feel like I've been locked up tight for a century of lonely nights Waiting for someone to sign me You're licking your lips, sending Jimmy John's my way But I don't mean I'm gonna sign today Danny, Danny, Danny Oh, oh, oh My agent's saying, let's go Oh, oh, oh Buck is begging no. If you wanna franchise me, Danny, there's a price to pay. I'm an MVP at third base. You gotta sign me the right way. If you wanna franchise me, I can make your dreams come true. You gotta make me the big offer. Gotta like what you do. I'm an MVP at third base. You gotta sign me the right way, Danny. I'm an MVP at third base. Come, come, come and let me sign. The music's fading and the fans are shouting, Oh, just more pitch and we're good to go. Waiting for the contract. The team still needs me. Fastball's racing at the speed of light and I'm gonna hit a dunk tonight. Danny, Danny, Danny. Oh, 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 my agent's saying, let's go. Oh, 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 
buckets begging no. If you wanna franchise me, Danny, there's a price to pay. I'm an MVP at third base. You gotta sign me the right way. If you wanna franchise me, I can make your dreams come true. You gotta make me a big offer. Gotta like what you do. I'm an MVP at third base. You gotta sign me the right way, Danny. I'm an MVP at third base. Come, come, come and let me sign. You call it simplistic, Scott, but I say beautifully stripped down. Oh yeah, I said it beautifully stripped down. But before we go too far down that line, I think at this point, Jovial J should take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Wilkes of Orioles Uncensored. This is John Wilkes from Orioles Uncensored, here to present the bevy for the Oriole least likely to charge the mound. This person serves as the yin to Manny's yang. With no further ado, the nominees are J.J. Hardy. It take him too long to actually run to the pitch. By the time he got there, I'm pretty sure he changed his mind. Nominee number two, Joey Rickard. Get in a fight and mess up that face? Nominee number three is Adam Jones. The Blue Jays have hit him about ten times on purpose already. If he was going to do it, he would have already done it by now. And the, and the final nominee is Nolan Reimold. When you have nine kids to feed, you can't afford to get suspended and fined. And the winner is... Joey Rickard, between his perfect hair and a fish in the heavens, he can't afford to get in a fight. Congratulations to all our nominees tonight. This is John Wilkes from Wales Uncensored. Out. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Cal Renner and Joe Papa of OBP Apparel and the OBP Podcast. Welcome to the 2016 Bevy Awards. My name is Cal Renner. Alongside me tonight is Joseph Paparato. We are the artist formerly known as the OBP Podcast. Joe, we don't podcast anymore, but we do come together for the greater good in the podcasting community. They call us out of retirement now and then to help them out when they need us. We're like Blink-182. In what way? We're coming out of our hiatus. There's only two-thirds of us left right now, and we still got it. We still, you're darn right we do. We're so happy to be here. At, at, this is our third or fourth year in a row doing the bevies. Always a great time. Joe, you're looking super spiffy tonight with that tux, by the way. Thank you so much. I, I got this tailored and pressed about five minutes ago. Wear the pants next time. It's very important. I'm not wearing any pants. That, that we know. All right, let, with that being said, let's jump right into our first award. Our first award of the night was originally going to be, so we're missing our third guy, as Joe already alluded to. Sal couldn't make it tonight. Uh, we, he had finally convinced us to do an NBA award. Uh, yes, this is the bevies. This is for baseball. The Bird's Eye View guys are an Orioles podcast. But Sal, who has been dying for years to try and get anyone in Baltimore to care about basketball, somehow convinced me and Joe that we should give out an NBA six-man award. Well, as we already mentioned, Sal's not here. He had a prior commitment. So, at this point, sorry, Sal, we're scrapping your six-man award, but we do have something right along those lines, don't we, Joe Bob? That we do. 
That, of course, is the MLB, or the Orioles' 10th man award uh, that we're going to recognize tonight. The, the most clutch, I guess, or most uh, pivotal player off the bench that isn't an everyday starter necessarily. Uh, Joe Pye, do you have a list of the nominees? I do have a list of the nominees, and I'm, I'm really upset that, you know, finally we were going to do this NBA segment. We're going to give Sal the floor. Um, well, turns out it's not going to be that way. Tough luck. And the nominees for the 10th Man Award for the Orioles in 2016 are outfielder Joey Rickard, reliever Dylan Bundy, Outfielder, Hyun-Soo Kim. Reliever, Vance Worley. And D.H., Pedro Alvarez. Who? Sorry. They they should probably dust Pedro Alvarez off before they put him on the field next time. I forgot he was on this roster. Poor Nolan Reimold. What does he feel like? The dust bunny in the corner? Anyway, back to what we were talking about. And the winner is... came over here, just absolutely torn apart on talk radio by the local fans because he looked overmatched in spring training and wouldn't take an assignment that he had no obligation to take. How about this, receiving a bevy in his first year with the Orioles? He deserves every award given in the bevies this year. I mean, I don't even care what the category is. Kim deserves it because he's going to step up and just snag it, just like he snagged the outfield position. Dude. The guy wasn't given a chance from day one. Everybody wanted to ship him back home, but they don't realize, oh, hey, oh, this is his first time even on American soil. Like, he, pro- he, probably, needs- he probably doesn't even know how to say hi, let alone see American League pitching. And, okay, so it took him 40 at-bats. But what he did in April, the fact that he was not playing every day, but then when he got a chance, he was able to make the most of it. He was able to show, hey, you know what? This is me. This is what you signed me for. This is why I did not accept my assignment. And you know what? They're giving him the respect oh he deserves, and I'm, I'm so happy for this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Jake English and Scott Magnus for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Orioles' 2016 first half in offense. That's right. As we do with the bevies, we're going to take this time to look back at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each component of a game. And starting with offense, I want to look at the good. And Scott, I'm not sure that we can be much better than what Manny Machado has brought to the plate this year. Here's the thing. Manny Machado had a breakout season in 2015, and he either had the opportunity to build upon that or to regress back. And Manny Machado has absolutely done the former. Machado has put himself easily in the same breath as that top-tier talent that he was looking up to in previous seasons. He's now mentioned in the same sentence as the Harpers and the Trouts of this game and really looked at as one of the best players in baseball. Just looking at what Manny Machado has been able to do with himself, he's doing it all. He's got a weighted runs created plus of 144, but he's doing that by getting on base 
as well as hitting for power. Manny Machado has really brought all parts of his game together. We always talked about what it would be like if Manny Machado could turn those doubles into home runs. Well, he's done that. In a season in which this team desperately needed a, a leadoff hitter, Manny Machado is consistently your number three hitter because Buck Showalter realizes that he's one of the best offensive players available to him. So for the first half of the season, my good goes to Manny Machado. My good for offense is going to go to Mark Trumbo, who uh, has absolutely demolished since coming to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, getting Mark Trumbo for Steve Clevenger, um, maybe one of the biggest coups of uh, the offseason. Uh, Mark Trumbo with a MLB leading 28 home runs to start the first half. Um, is posting up a 387 um, weighted on base average in a 141 radio runs created plus. Um, you, you know, just from an offensive standpoint, I don't know if the Orioles would still be in the position they were without Mark Trumbo. He's had so many clutch hits out there. Um, it, it just really has made um, Mark Trumbo almost eerily similar to Nelson Cruz of 2014. And that's what this team is going to need to have is. Um, outstanding performances. We talked about it when, before the season started. We need players to come in there and exceed expectations. Mark Trumbo has come out and exceeded the expectations that anybody could have predicted coming into the season. So Mark Trumbo gets my good. Absolutely. All right, let's shift to the bad. Uh, you know, you talked about expectations, and this may not be fair because I'm not sure our expectations of this particular player were that good. But my bad for for this part of the the 2016 season is going to go to Pedro Alvarez because I've seen very little from Alvarez that leads me to believe that he was worth picking up in the first place. Now, granted, this team didn't need DH, a full-time DH, with guys like um, Trumbo and Chris Davis on the roster, but with Trumbo pressed into service in right field, it makes a lot of at-bats available to a player that is simply not being productive. Now, Alvarez has had his moments week in and week out where he's had a good couple of games he's put together. But altogether, Alvarez has simply not gotten it done. And he's simply ineffective against left-handed pitching. So for me, my bat has to go to Pedro Alvarez. My bat's going to go to Caleb Joseph. And it's a really awkward position to put Caleb Joseph in in terms of a bad because again he's been hurt for uh, from for majority of the season and to a certain point he's got less than 100 plate appearances which again uh, as much as people hate when I say it it is a small sample size but Caleb Joseph has been absolutely atrocious at the plate so far this season um, and it does raise questions also about the future whether Caleb Joseph could be a, a starting catcher within the American league at this time. So Caleb Joseph is one of those hope for a rebound um, type of players because he is such a nice guy, but so far at the plate offensively, he's been bad. All right. So let's go ahead and shift to our ugly. This of course being the good and bad and the ugly. So I'm just going to look through here at the uh, offensive production and try to pick out my ugly. Hang on a sec. Um, Hmm. Scotty, I'm in some trouble here. I can't seem to find... Here, let me help you out. Let me take a look at this for you. Well, that's... um, Yeah, that's a whole lot of nothing there. It looks like pretty much everyone has um, pretty much met or exceeded expectations for the, for, the, for the season, and that includes players such as like 
J.J. Hardy and Ryan Flaherty, who are not posting great offensive numbers, but really, what were you expecting from them? Um, you know, it comes comes back to the point of this is an offense that's a top five offense um, right now. I think it's actually a top to, uh, top three offense in all Major League Baseball. It's really hard to complain about anything that they're doing offensively. A team is posting um, 5.1 runs per game. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. Look, you may call them a top three offense. They're number one in our hearts, Scott Magnus. And with that, I'm going to ask that we break the good, the bad, and the ugly format here. I'm going to go to honorable mention for good. My honorable mention for good is got to go to a guy that we spent some time beating up, and that is... Adam Jones. Here's the thing about Adam Jones. Adam Jones has turned it on in a big way after really having struggled in the early part of the season. If you look at what he produced in the early part of the season, he was a solidly below average offensive player in April and May. And in June, he was a monster. Just looking at, again, I like to look at WOBA and Weighted Runs Created Plus. Looking at Weighted Runs Created Plus, in uh, March and April, he was at 67. At May, he was in 73. And as you know, this is a, a normalized stat that should be, you know, 100 for a normal player. In June, 156. We talked about it in episode 171, which you should absolutely go listen to. It's called Airing of Grievances. Scotty talked about whether uh, it was the right thing to move Adam Jones in the leadoff spot, whether or not that had anything to do with it. He had a rough season until June where he turned into a great player. And that's really good to see from Adam Jones. So he's, he's my honorable mention for good. And walking at a career pace of 6.5%. Hey, a career pace. Yes. Uh, my good's going to go to uh, a similar uh, on career pace for walks. And that's Jonathan scope. He's posting a 3.8% walk rate. But Jonathan Scope is really coming into his own uh, in this league in terms of being an offensive prowess second baseman. And that doesn't mean he's going to match the output of a Manny Machado or even a Mark Trumbo. But he's going to probably hit 25-plus home runs this year, um, which is going to be a a great addition to this team. And it's also coming in with everything else he does. We've seen Jonathan Scope move up from the 7th or 8th spot in the lineup all the way up to the number 2 spot because of how hot he's been hitting at certain points. I continue to see Jonathan Scope continue to skyrocket up here. I don't know if he'll get back into the number 2 spot, but I could easily see Jonathan Scope being in the 5 or 6 hole for games in the future. And again, for supporting cast, that's exactly what you want. And that's what you get on a good club. Yep, exactly. Um, So we've broken our rules already to start the show. It's what we do here. Let's see if somebody else um, that we're going to have on the show can get us back on a track. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Brown, Grand Poobah of Camden Chat. Hello, people of Birdland and Bevy's listeners. My name is Mark Brown, and I'm joining you from CamdenChat.com. Also the dormant, but will rise again, Camden Cast podcast. My award tonight is an award I gave out last year as well, and I call it the Project These Nuts Award, and I will explain it to you like so. If you were around for the 2012 season, you may remember the Great Run Differential Wars, which were where people on the internet got really mad, a lot, about uh, whether or not the Orioles were quote-unquote as good as their run differential, which run differential... um, 
has the the name of Pythagoras, which you remember from his theorem, has been reappropriated for the Pythagorean run expectation, which is your run scored and run al- runs allowed determine what your record quote unquote should be. And uh, there were a lot of fights over the Orioles' run differential in the 2012 season, uh, including on my own blog, Camden Chat. And eventually I had to tell people that they had to stop talking about it. And finally, when I got sick of it all, I said, okay, guys, Pythagoras can project these nuts. And so I, I give out the Project These Nuts award now uh, to the player who has most thumbed his nose at his preseason projections, because you know... The internet loves to not like certain Orioles players, and some of them really exceed that. So, our nominees for this year are Mark Trumbo, Jonathan Scope, Brad Brock, and Zach Britton. And I've included those gentlemen because they have most exceeded the uh, the preseason expectations, especially based on the Zips projection system. For instance... Jonathan Scope is projected to have 18 home runs over the whole season. He already has 14 home runs, even more substantial. Mark Trumbo has 28 home runs for the season on his Zips projection. And he already has 28 home runs as I'm recording this on Saturday night, July the 9th. He might even have more by the time this episode airs. Also, uh, the two Orioles all-star relievers, Brad Brock and Zach Britton, Zach Britton, for instance, was projected to have an ERA of only 2.79, whereas in the real world, Britton has an ERA of 0.74. And by the same token, Brad Brock was projected to have a full-season ERA of 3.54, and his ERA right now is 0.93, both of those guys, well-deserving All-Stars. Mark Trumbo, also a well-deserving All-Star. Jonathan Scope, probably could be an All-Star. Maybe he gets in there next year. So those are your nominees. And now for the envelope, please. And the winner of the 2016 Projectees Nuts Bevy is... Brad Brock. To get down to it, it's really no contest why it's Brad Brock. Uh, as soon as I read ESPN's Keith Law's denunciation of Brad Brock's supposed unworthiness of being on the All-Star team, I just said, you know what, Brad Brock, he's your Projectees Nuts Award winner, because Brad Brock, no matter what Keith Law says, deserves to be an All-Star. He's having a great season. I hope it's not a fluke first half. I don't think it is. I am really happy to see him recognized. So Brad Brock, you are the 2016 Bevy winner for the Projectees Nuts Award on behalf of CamdenChat.com. I am Mark Brown, and that's all the time I have for you this evening. So, Birdland, have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report. Hey, Birdland, what's up? This is Derek from Utah Street Report. I uh, just want to say happy All-Star break to everybody. Thanks to Jake and Scott for inviting us back for another year of bevies. Uh, let's get right to our category. We consider ourselves to be by and for O's fans at ESR, so as always, our bevy winners are voted upon by you. First up, we have the Forgotten Man Award. 
This award honors that Oriole who, when we look back upon the 2016 Orioles, hopefully very fondly, uh, will look at the roster and say, that guy was an Oriole? Huh. Okay. Past winners of this award include Alex Burnett in 2013, Ramon Ramirez in 2014, and Cesar Cabral last, last season. This year's nominees are Francisco Pena, Jason Aquino, Ariel Miranda, and Brian Dunsing. And the winner is catcher Francisco Pena. That is not who I would have voted for, but hey, Birdland has spoken. You will not remember Francisco Pena. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Baltimore Sports Report Network sister wives, Coldy Colston and Connor Garcia of Between Two Birds. Ladies and gentlemen, children of appropriate ages, uh, we are Between Two Birds. I'm your host, Cody Colston. And I am Connor Garcia. The first award is the, we call it, What Exactly Do You Do Here Award. And it goes to the player we felt had the least amount of impact on the Orioles this year so far. Uh, can I get the nominees, Connor? The nominees are Brian Mattis, Francisco Pena, Brian Dunsing, and Paul Janish. And can I get a drum roll, please? It goes to Brian Mattis. You put quotation marks around the pitcher part. Yeah, I felt like that was um, pretty appropriate for him. <laughs> In six innings pitched with the Orioles, uh, Brian Mattis has given uh, gave up eight earned runs, three home runs, and seven walks. So, it doesn't sound like he is doing a lot of pitching. A lot of throwing, but I don't I don't know about pitching. Yeah, pretty much. Who's is is he still on the, is he on the Braves now or did somebody else pick him up? Oh, um, Cubs got him. Cubs got him and the Cubs are making him into a starter. Oh, of course they are. Prepare uh, 20, 2018 Cy Young, Brian Mattis. There you go. Go to Vegas putting your money right now because <laughs> it's a, it's a guarantee. It's all, yeah, it's almost a guarantee. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Scott Magnus of Bird's Eye View. This is the category of how could I have been so wrong? And this is awards given to the player who, well, for better or worse, has differed from our preseason expectations. The nominees for this award have either greatly exceeded the expectations or failed to meet them. And we put it to you, Berland, to determine who this was. So we had four candidates for it. One was Brad Brock. One was Joey Rickard. One was Hunsu Kim. And one was Tyler Wilson. And it, it was a landslide. Hunsu Kim ran away with this with 77% of the vote. I think it's quite justifiable that no one quite expected Hunsu Kim to be as good as he was or has been so far this season, especially for a player that, well, let's just say barely made the roster. And Hunsu Kim has put together in 173 plate appearances some amazing numbers, a 410 on base percentage and a 379 Woba, along with a 135 weighted runs created plus. That is some Steve Pierce-like 2014 numbers right there. And again, who knows if it's sustainable, but the fact that he's able to pull it up for 173 and seems to be getting better and better with additional playing time just screams to me as really encouraging. He's also shown a great back control and uh, being able to pick pitches to all parts of the field too. So Hunsu Kim has been a great revelation to all of us. I think we thought that he'd have good plate discipline, but I don't think we thought his stroke would be as nice as it actually was. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Jake English and Scott Magnus for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Orioles' 2016 first half in defense.
We're going to talk about this defense that has been heralded over the past couple of years. There's been a lot of talk about whether the Orioles' defense is maybe slipped a bit from where it was. But, Scotty, before we go to anything like that, let's talk about the good. I want to start with Manny Machado. Now, Manny Machado made a couple of errors early in the season. And as you know, Manny Machado is an all-world third baseman. But here's the interesting thing about Manny Machado. Manny Machado has also been playing some shortstop this season. And it's been interesting to watch Manny Machado play the position that he will eventually take over once J.J. Hardy leaves. Here's the thing. Not such a bad shortstop either. A lot has been said that maybe there isn't as much separation in his game between Manny Machado and the rest of the top shortstops. Maybe he went from being the best third baseman in the league to simply one of the best shortstops in the league defensively. But when you put that uh, with what he's been able to do at the plate, as we've talked about, this makes for a very special defensive player. And in the meantime, while Manny Machado is still in the wings for shortstop, it is excellent to have a guy who can play far above average at two key positions in the field. So my good for the early part of the season, Manny Machado. I'm glad you've taken chalk both in offense and defense so far with Manny Machado. Hey, hey, when things are good, they're good. All right, I'm going to go for my good for defense. It's going to go to Jonathan Scope, who continues to amaze me with his arm strength. But he's also gotten a little better this year in terms of ranging to his left and the right. I really feel like Jonathan Scope, again, is coming into his own in terms of being aware of where he needs to be in the field from a defensive positioning and knowing his own limitations in order to get to balls. Just seeing a healthy Jonathan Scope out there really gives me promise for the future at that second base. And it was really a pleasure, like you pointed out, of seeing Manny Machado at shortstop and Jonathan Scope turning some very pretty double plays. I'm looking forward to seeing that for years to come. Now, do you think his his range has increased enough that he would be a viable third base option in the future? (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the bad of the Orioles' defense. I'm going to go to uh, a little bit more chalk, but in reverse. My bad for so far in this Orioles season is Mark Trumbo in right field. He's uh, he's not the best that, that I've seen out there. He's maybe not Nelson Cruz-esque with uh, costing us with plays, but it's been a bit of an adventure out there sometimes with balls getting between his legs, slipping underneath the glove, maybe plays that he makes not looking as effortlessly as you would expect a major league outfielder to do but when you have a dh slash first baseman serving as your everyday right fielder i guess you're gonna have to live with it not exactly ugly but i wouldn't call it good either yeah i think it's more of a it's bad but we came to expect that it was probably gonna be bad by it by going in there my bad for the year so far is going to go to pitchers defense and we've seen a lot of defensive miscues from the pitchers just kind of being empty-headed, being sloppy, throwing balls away on pickoffs, not giving good common sense to it. So the one way this starting pitching can actually improve itself is is to help itself in its own defense. So if the pitchers can improve their defense, theoretically, it should let them get deeper into games. It's a minor thing, and it doesn't come up that often, but when it does, it normally is fatal for that inning, and normally it goes from a, well, one or two inning out to be a three to four run inning, which can sometimes put the game away. All right, I'm going to go ahead and my ugly. And again, this is for a team that's pretty solid defensively. So it's it's tough to pick an ugly. We're, we're grasping at straws here. I'm going to go to any time your team starts Pedro Alvarez at third base. That has the option of being ugly. So uh, yeah, 
Buck Showalter for writing in Pedro Alvarez in the lineup at third base. I'm going to say that's ugly. Look, we've had a terrible defensive outing in one notorious situation during the Orioles' first half. This, it just lets us down is the best way to describe it. And that has to go to the ugliest thing of all, which was Caleb Joseph's cup, letting him down and allowing him to be injured and take the worst injury possible for any baseball player. Achieving a testicular injury, uh, batted ball injury, testicular injury <laughs> on the field is as ugly as it can get for anybody who was watching at home or could actually see what happened afterwards. Caleb Joseph had to literally go out and get a Kevlar nut sacks with a Z That's in nut order shells. to protect oh, no, I'm sorry, nut shells in order to protect himself going forward. So Caleb Joseph's original cup, you are an ugly and you have been put on notice. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Baltimore Sports Report Network sister wives, Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns of Baltimore Sports Today. Hey, this is Zach Wilt. And Jabby Burns from the Baltimore Sports Today and the Baltimore Sports Report Network. We are here to present the 2016 bevy for the Oriole most likely to be dated, married, and punched in the same season. It takes a unique breed of player to fill all three of these categories. That's right, Jab. These guys are basically the triathletes of the Bevy Awards. So here are some nominees for most likely to be dated, married, and punched. Number three, utility man extraordinaire, Ryan Flash Flaherty. Number 11, third base coach, Bobby the Windmill Dickerson. Number 24, Third baseman slash DH, Pedro El Toro Alvarez. Number 66, left-handed relief pitcher, TJ McFarland. And the bevy goes to... Bobby Dickerson! Dickerson. Congratulations to the windmill and all of this year's nominees for most likely to be dated, married, and punched in the same season. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dave Stevenson of Birds Watcher. All right, so this award, it goes to the most gifferific person on Twitter, a.k.a. the person who best utilizes GIFs and videos in the best possible way to entertain, to flawlessly convey their emotions, and, yes, to make people laugh. The nominees for this award are at Birds Eye View Ball, at Be More Center, and Myself at Be More Davis. As much as I like to vote for myself, I am not that arrogant, so the winner of this award is at Be More Center. Be More Center has been a consistent source of entertainment, joy, and laughter throughout the season. Be More Center creates gifts and is perhaps most famous for his or her, not really sure, obsession with Hyun Soo Kim. He does a lot of work for I don't know how many sites, and he seems to be one of the most genuinely nice people of Oil's Twitter. So, here's to you, Be More Center. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the baseball widows, Sarah English and Carrie Magnus. Hey, baseball widows here. We were thinking about the bevies coming up and how we like to be overly involved in things our husbands do. Um, And obviously, they spend a ton of time podcasting and talking about baseball and reading about baseball and watching baseball. And while they do that, we're on Pinterest. We were thinking about what kind of Oriole Pinterest boards we might want to follow. 
All right. The first nominee is Manny Machado's tattoo ideas because his tattoo of his wife cannot be the only one that he's thinking about getting. The next nominee is one of my favorite men, J.J. Hardy's books that he would like to read while on the DL. The next would be Adam Jones's hashtag stay hungry recipes. Mm, yummy. And finally, frighteningly, Scott's board for the best of Jim Palmer's jockey ads. And the winner of the 2016 bevy for Orioles Pinterest board we're most likely to follow is... Let me get this envelope open. And the winner is Adam Jones's hashtag stay hungry. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan Wetzel, John Shearer, Matt Bochata, and Brad Cox of Perched at the Yard. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this year there has been a lot of close games that the Orioles have let get away from them. You could say that they've been robbed a lot, can't you, Brad? Yes, you can. But then on the flip side, there's the close ones that we've taken, so you can say we've robbed them as well. And the Orioles have also spent bank this offseason, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Big old Chris Davis. Uh, so without further ado, guys, here are the nominations for the Baltimore Oriole, who most looks like a bank robber. Mike Wright, right-handed pitcher. Caleb Joseph, catcher. Gary Thorne, Masson announcer. And now to present the award to you guys, special guest, Dan Duquette. Thank you, gentlemen. So the winner of the Oriole that most looks like a bank robber is Dan Duquette? I I wasn't even a nominee. Guys, is this a joke? I mean, this is me? I won? Oh my goodness. Um I don't even know what to say. I was preparing to actually give the award to uh Mike Wright, but um on behalf of the Baltimore Orioles, purse of the yard, I appreciate the award. And uh, hopefully we can uh, continue to bring the fans a lot of uh, uh, fun and enjoyment uh, through the rest of the season and through the uh, all-star break. And uh, let's, uh, let's try to get into the playoffs and have some more fun, guys. Uh, thanks for the award, Dan, Brad, John, everyone at Purse of the Yard. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back. Jake English and Scott Magnus for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Orioles' 2016 first half in pitching. We've come to the part that you've, well, you wanted to avoid, but we're here to talk about it. It's the good, the bad, and oh, there's a lot of ugly for pitching. This might get dicey, folks. Yeah, We're going to start with the good, though, and I'm going to go with um, one of my favorites, which is Brad Brock! If you would have came into the season and said Brad Brock was going to be an all-star game participant, you would have said it's crazy. But Brad Brock, again, has solidified out this bullpen. I talked about it earlier in the season with uh, Brad Brock coming in last year for several multi-inning relief appearances. And, and to a certain point, Brad Brock has come in for those multi-inning appearances once again this season. But it's more of picking up the slack when it was necessary. So Darren O'Day went out with an injury and Brad Brock has stepped into that setup man role as getting to Zach Burton. Brad Brock has elevated his game and coming back to Zach Burton, Zach Burton has talked about Brad Brock before and said he thinks that he has some lights out stuff. Um, and he says he could easily be a closer if ever um, Zach Burton were to I guess, leave or go somewhere else. But 
Brad Brock has demonstrated that he's got some filthy, filthy stuff, um, almost like an invisible pitch. Um, he's also seen his uh, his fastball um, uh, velocity increase by three miles per hour since coming from to the Orioles from the San Diego Padres. So Brad Brock gets my good and my tip of the cap from a pitching um, staff that is um, well beleaguered at best. Yeah, and remember, this is another acquisition that the Orioles made that was unheralded. Yep. I believe that we picked them up in the offseason prior to the 2014 season, and nobody really knew anything about him. And he's really been one of the key components of the Orioles' bullpen. So I, I agree. Well, good good selection. My good, you accused me, sir, of going chalk, and so I'm going to go in a different... No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick more chalk. More chalk. When you talk about good for pitching, it has to go to Chris Tillman. Chris Tillman has been very good this season. Yes, you can say, oh, sure, he's been good. But the significance... Oh, sure, he's been good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank no you. Uh, the significance of Chris Tillman's goodness cannot be understated. Because here's the thing. The significance of Chris Tillman's goodness cannot be understated. Okay. Okay. This sounds like a Rick Dempsey thing. <laughs> the thing about <laughs> Tillman, though, is that without him, the pitching staff is an absolute nightmare. Chris Tillman has has pitched incredibly effectively all, all season. And even when he hasn't been sharp, he's been close to it. Here's been my big complaint in previous years with Chris Tillman. When Chris Tillman wasn't on, his pitches were non-competitive. And what I mean by that was when he missed the plate, he missed it in the other batter's box. Or he missed it a foot or two feet too high for the plate. Chris Tillman has been incredibly sharp this year, not only with his fastball, with good velocity, but also with the slider. And the slider has become a devastating pitch. And whether or not you believe in the existence of the cutter, it is an effective pitch from time to time for Chris Tillman. I know that pitching stat, pitching wins is a ridiculous stat. But if you look at the wins that the Orioles have racked up in games that Tillman has pitched, yes, sometimes you get billed out by your offense. Yes, sometimes you get let down by your offense. Kevin Gosman. But looking globally at the games that Kevin Gosman or that uh, Chris Tillman has pitched, the Orioles are faring incredibly well in those games, and that does speak to the fact that Chris Tillman is leaving them every time he gets out there in a pretty good position to win the ball game. And again, when everything else has been rocky as far as the starting rotation is concerned, the Orioles needed Chris Tillman to be good this year, and they got it. And coming off a 2015 season where Chris Tillman was, I wouldn't say hot garbage, but pretty close to hot garbage. Um, there was some steam. There was some steam, yeah. So Chris Tillman has, once again, similar to Mark Trumbo, blown away projections most uh, projection systems forecasted Chris Tillman to be a eh, 0.5 to maybe like a 1F war, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, Chris Tillman at the halfway mark has posted a 1.6F war. He's on pace to have a 2.5 to 3.0F war. Again, a player outperforming his projections and moving a team that was forecasted to be, you know, right around like 75 wins up into the first place. So kudos to Chris Tillman and agree. He's taken a massive step forward in this year. Almost ace-like. Let's not get Let's crazy. Not get crazy All right, so my bad uh, is a player that the Orioles were hoping to solidify their rotation, but well, so far hasn't, and that's Giovanni Gardo, who came in to the team, um, promptly got injured, promptly came back, and has really given us nothing. And the whole thing with the Giovanni Gardo signing was Gallardo may not have been the greatest pitcher that they were signing, but he was not. 
But what the Orioles were hoping for was if you look at his track record, he had a multitude of innings pitched per season. So he was pitching at least 190 innings pitched um, for multiple seasons. So the Orioles thought that, well, if we don't really have the depth, let's go get a quality signing that can give us a lot of innings. Fortunately, with Garota going out early in the season, he's not going to be able to give us that kind of innings. And even by coming back, he's actually been not getting very deep into games as well. So Giovanni Garrido has been a monumental disappointment for the Baltimore Orioles, not really solidifying and being an innings eater for the Baltimore Orioles, which they sorely needed to not destroy their bullpen. All right, you want to talk about a disappointment. This is not so much a disappointment for, for my bad in performance per se, but my bad for, for the 2016 Orioles thus far, as far as pitching is concerned, has got to go to Darren O'Day's hamstring. It's been very disappointing to see Darren O'Day sitting in the dugout in the hoodie rather than on the mound in high leverage situations because if there is no one I would rather see load the bases and then strike out the side than the $31 million man himself, Darren O'Day. Look, the bullpen is absolutely beleaguered right now. They are just burning right through the bullpen. And when you look at who you'd rather have out there, for me, it's Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day injured his hamstring, has been on the disabled list, and there's no end in sight. So for me, so far, the bad is the lack of inclusion of Darren O'Day because of the hamstring. So my ugly is going to go to Mike Wright, who has posted a abysmal 5.97 ERA, a 5.56 FIP, and a 5.27 XFIP. He's posting some very mediocre numbers in terms of peripherals, 6.23K per nine and a 3.38 uh, walks per nine. Again, he just strikes me as a very quadruple A pitcher, um, maybe uh, a multi-inning relief pitcher similar to like a TJ McFarland, but certainly not someone that should be getting 12 starts um, before the first half of the season. Um, Mike Wright just shows the the lack of depth within the Orioles organization and the point being that, yes, just because Norfolk and Bowie got to the championships in the playoffs last year doesn't mean that their players were very good. Yeah, I think Mike Wright can be the next big thing in the bullpen. I I think he's got Tommy Hunter 2.0 written all over him, but he's not a starter. No. No way. Let's talk about somebody else who's not a starter, and that's Tyler Wilson. That's a big disappointment to me. This is ugly because I thought that Tyler Wilson had between the ears what it took to make the most of his physical capabilities. And Tyler Wilson's physical capabilities are less, I would argue, than what Mike Wright has. Mike Wright has the electric fastball that Tyler Wilson does not. But Tyler Wilson, I thought, had the ability to be a stable, not great, but a stable number five pitcher in your rotation. Somebody who could give you a few innings here and there. Somebody who could at least go five innings every fifth day and make sure that the bullpen had something they could at least depend on. Something that would be constant. Something that would be predictable. And instead, what we got was Mike Wright 2.0 and Tyler Wilson. Tyler Wilson got 13 starts before the All-Star break, and they were not impressive. Now, there were bright spots. He did shut down the the Red Sox that, that one time. But it's just not good. His FIP is up over five, as is his ERA, and he is simply not getting it done. Tyler Wilson has lost his spot in the rotation, and this is a great disappointment to me because, again, I didn't have high expectations of him, but I thought that he could at least be average. And the fact that the Orioles can't 
pump out an average starter out of their their uh, minor league system is, as is Tyler Wilson, disappointing. Where's the bottle menace? Shh, shh. We don't talk about him. He's got a lifetime achievement award in Ugly. Oh, that's right. Forgot about the lifetime. He's achievement the Terrell award. Suggs of our Ugly. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report. Next up, we have the Why Are You Breaking My Heart Like This? Just Let Me Love You award. So a guy like Ubaldo Jimenez would not be eligible because though he's giving us nothing, we basically expect nothing. Uh, to give you an idea, former winners of this award include Jim Johnson in 2013, Chris Davis in 2014, and Chris Tillman last season. The good thing was it was a little bit tougher to come up with uh, candidates for this one this year because so many of our Orioles are doing pretty much what we expect or even better. So that's very good for the team. Maybe not so fair for uh, guys that are up for this award this year. But we had to have some nominees, and they are Kevin Gossman, Michael Gibbons, and Caleb Joseph. Uh, the winner is, um, overwhelmingly, um, based on our Twitter poll, Mr. Kevin Gossman. Yeah, that sucks. So there you have it. Uh, Utah Street Report's 2016 bevies. Here's to a great second half for the O's. Back to you, Jake and Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Cody Colston and Connor Garcia of Between Two Birds. Our next award is the Worst Ball Handler Award, with an honorary mention for Caleb Joseph, who suffered one of the more rather um, unfair injuries. I cringe just thinking about it. Uh, who, who are we giving the Worst Ball Handler Award to? This is the worst fielding player on the team by statistics. And the nominees are outfielder Hyun Soo Kim, first baseman Pedro Alvarez, outfielder, first baseman Mark Trumbo, and outfielder Joey Rickard. And the winner is... Outfielder Joey Rickard. In 210 innings, Joey Rickard has a negative 5.8 defensive war a negative 4.7 UZR, and a negative 25.4 UZR slash 150. He kind of runs like a, like a baby giraffe <laughs> or like somebody that's learned to run before they walk. I compare Joey Rickard's running to um, when Joe Flacco scrambles for a first down. He looks like his knees don't bend, and he like just shuffles out of bounds. This shouldn't that's, be possible, but it is. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's Joey Rickard in the outfield. I made a comment around uh, somebody. I was like, I was like, yeah, Joey Rickard's not a good fielder. He turned around and goes, Joey Rickard's a great fielder. You'll know what you're talking about. I was like, you're right. I, I guess I don't. Thank, thank you for that, sir. Um, <laughs> who, who, who fails the eye test? Easily Mark Trumbo. Uh, yeah, it looks, uh, it's, it's, he's a walking tree out there, isn't he? Yeah, like from Lord of the Rings, you were saying? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings, that's what I said pregame. He looks yep. like one of the, that tree. I think, was it? I forget which Lord of the Rings movie that was. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> well, I believe that wraps up our awards, doesn't it, Connor? Uh, it looks like our part is over, yep. Yep. All right, well, big uh, big thank you to Jake and Scott again for letting us come on and give our awards, and uh, we're going to hand it off back to them. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jake English of Bird's Eye View. Thanks again, Jovial Jay. I'm here to present 
an award that is very special to me, one that is close to our hearts here at Bird's Eye View, and this, of course, is the Ice Flow Award. As many listeners will know, we have been beating the drum for several seasons now to put a particular player on an ice flow and simply push, watching that player drift off into the sea and oblivion. That player was Brian Mattis, and it took a little longer than we would have liked, but it finally happened. He was traded along with uh, our hopes for the future, and eventually the Braves sent him to that big DFA in the sky, and that leads us to wonder, who's next? Who is next on our list of players that need to be put on that ice flow and pushed aside? And so we took to the Twitters and we asked you, Birdland, who is the next player that should be pushed off on an ice flow? We had four nominees for this distinguished award of the Ice Flow Award. The first was Ubaldo Jimenez. Next, Mike Wright. Next, Ryan Flaherty. And finally, J.J. Hardy. And with an absolutely astonishing majority of the votes, the Ice Flow Award goes to Ubaldo Jimenez. So congratulations, Orioles fans. I think this means we did it. Our collective will is strong. It was effective with Brian Mattis. And we can only hope that it will be effective here. Descend Baldo Jimenez. On to the next great adventure in that cold, icy sea. Jake, I got to tell you, this is such a negative award. You are being such a hater. These players dedicate themselves to the city of Baltimore and work their butts off to win baseball games. And all you can do is just stand behind your computer and talk trash. I'm sorry, what? Jake, listen. You are a joke, and you should be banned from all Orioles publications. Well, that that is true. But what does that have to do with this award? Jake, listen. Guys don't play this game day in and day out to be discredited and bashed by an unworthy Be More podcaster such as yourself. You need to find a new job and be a true fan. Well... I mean, yes, these are all true, but where are you getting... What's your source, Scott Magnus? Jake, I just received an email that says, if these arms weren't swinging for the fences day in and day out, they'd be swinging at your face for being an unworthy writer. Signed, Crush. Are, are you saying that I am getting hate mail for the Ice Flow Award? Jake, what I'm saying is, you are a joke, and Jake English should be banned from the city. The city is built of heart and soul, and you lack all of it. Signed, Mr. Angelos, by the way. <laughs> these are the best thing ever. <laughs> now, I'll have you know, these are real submissions from real people that take themselves really seriously and made the mistake of taking us really Pretty seriously. Serious. So whoever you are that is sending us this hate mail under false pseudonyms, I think you are the real winner of the awards this year. And just remember, Matt Wieters is I before E except after C when you're needing to spell it. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Cal Renner and Joe Papa of OBP Apparel and the OBP Podcast. Moving on, Joe Paul, we got to get out of here quickly. Our second award, uh, we, did the, we presented this award last year for the initial year. Uh, for, the, for the initial time, uh, it, of course, we discussed our love uh, and appreciation for the classic film, Angels in the Outfield. Uh, as you hear the, the themes begin to play right now, we're, of course, bringing back the Mel Clark Most Likely to Return to Form Award 
uh, for the second half. Last year, if you recall, the award winner was Chris Tillman, who uh, I don't know if he turned it around completely in the second half of last year, but he's definitely turned it around uh, this year. So congratulations to him again on winning it last year. Uh, and the nominees for the Mel Clark Memorial Return to Form Award are Mark Trumbo, Chris Davis, Kevin Gossman, Adam Jones, and Jay, Jay, Hardy. And our, Joe Bob, I'm going to open the envelope and hand you the winner here. Okay. And who's our winner, Joe Bob? The winner of the Mel Clark Memorial Return to Form Award is Kevin Gossman. Yes. Yes. All right. From your lips to God, Joe Bob. I mean, Man. that's 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 deserving, right? I mean, uh, this is this is the year that we expected the Gossman Unleashed. Yeah. Every every start, every every turn in the order, we expected. All right, this is it. Let him go. This is it. And it was finally the year for him to take the training wheels off. And uh, we've seen we've seen starts of greatness for sure. Uh, but there has been a lot of starts where, you know, he gets to that inning and he can't put it together. He can't put it away. And I think that we've seen that, you know what, it's probably, he's probably one or two batters away from being able to shut it down. So why not give this award to Kevin Gossman? It was a very close race. Um, J.J. Hardy was a very close second. Very, very I, I think close. we all very. We all love J.J., um, and Sal, I feel so bad because Sal, Sal would be here talking about how much he loves J.J. Hardy and wishes, you know, he, he professed in the offseason that they should sign him to, a, to an extension before the offseason, so it's really going to hurt his feelings if he isn't able to kind of maintain that uh, in the last couple of years of his, uh, what was it, a six- or seven-year deal, it seems like, that they gave him. Uh, Well-deserved. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're really hoping that, that J.J. can turn around, too. We really hope that everybody res- returns to form except Mark Trumbo. We don't want Trumbo to turn back into the pumpkin. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Taylor of Roar from 34. Hello, this is Matt Taylor from Roar from 34, where our focus, or my focus, is humor, history, homerism, and it has been since 2006. I'm here today at the Bevies with my co-presenter, noted Baltimore superfan, and star of big screens and small screens, Josh Charles. Josh, say hello to the good people at the Bevy Awards. Oh, that's right. Josh is currently doing some method acting, preparing for an upcoming silent film role, so we won't be hearing much from Josh, my co-presenter. Anyway, Josh and I are here today to present the Cherry Matthews Memorial You Are So Bootiful Award. You may remember 1997, the American League Division Series, Terry Matthews booed rotundly, well, booed robustly, shall we say, after coming out of the bullpen before even throwing his first pitch. A regrettable period that Orioles fans soon felt guilty about sending Matthews flowers and cards and notes, letting him know, we still love you, big guy. Baltimore fans aren't like those in other cities like Boston, New York, maybe even Philadelphia. Yeah, we boo, but we feel bad about it afterwards. And that's what the Terry Matthews Award celebrates, premature booing that leads to guilt afterward. 
this year's nominees. We have three of them starting with the very first player to be booed, Hyunsoo Kim, booed on opening day for refusing to accept the minor league assignment and having a lousy spring training. If that's not justification, I don't know what is. Our second nominee... Former Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Bill Cower booed when shown on the Jumbotron wearing an Orioles hat at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in June. And finally, our third and final nominee is Ubaldo Jimenez. Well, you picked the occasion, but most recently Friday night, booed as he left the mound uh, pretty lustily, let's say. Uh, and I think we all know why Ubaldo, noted nice guy, not as nice of a pitcher, was booed. So, we don't have sound effects, so imagine that drum roll in your head. And the winner is Hyun Soo Kim. Congratulations, Hyun Soo. You are so beautiful to me. Yes, Hyun Soo Kim was booed right out of the gate. Before he had a chance to show anything to Baltimore fans, perhaps felt a little hurt based on comments we saw, and now Baltimore loves him. From the diving catches we've seen in left field, to the Hyunsoo Kim single, now the equivalent of the Baltimore Chop, Hyunsoo Kim has won over the hearts and minds of Orioles fans after a beautiful start to his Orioles career. Sorry, Bill. Sorry, Ubaldo. I'm sure there'll be other opportunities should you ever show your faces at Camden Yards again. This is Matt Taylor signing off along with my co-presenter, Josh Charles, a man of few words, and saying thank you for listening to the 2016 Bevies, and congratulations to our winner, Hyun Soo Kim. And with that, that will do it for the 2016 Bevies. These fourth annual Bevy Awards are drawing to a close, but before we leave, we want to make just a couple of thanks. First, thanks to all of you who've listened to this program and every other podcast that we've put out. I can't tell you how much it means to us that you waste your time with us. Um, it just means the world to us. We this is a this is a passion project, a labor of love, and the the community that we have been a part of really makes us worthwhile. Thank you so much. What is wrong with you? I can never imagine. Yep. Next, we'd like to thank the voice of the bevies. Jovial Jay Shepard, who is just the best guy you could ever hope to meet. You can get more from Jovial Jay by visiting randomchatter.com, where he is an integral part of the Random Chatter podcast network. And he appears on shows including Green Justice and Arrow Podcast, Scarlet Velocity, a Flash podcast, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files. Is he allowed to like jump between like Marvel and DC like that? I think he can break all the rules. So he's breaking the fourth wall, basically. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks to our wives for putting up with this whole podcasting thing. Uh, their support in uh, that the fact that they're baseball widows is much appreciated. And we call them the baseball widows, but they've been with us from this on the start. So thank you both. Uh, next, thank you so much to all the contributors to these 2016 Bevy Awards. The submissions were, as always, fantastic. And again, we appreciate the the friendship, and the uh, the collaboration. Lastly, friends of the program, thanks so much. As always, we want to mention Songs from the Moon, who provided the great theme song for the Birds Eye View podcast, which is, of course, Watching the Orioles. We'd like to thank OBP Apparel for the sweet logo and continued collaboration. 
We'd like to thank Baseball Talk Radio, the home of independent baseball shows who includes us on a regular basis despite their best interests. And lastly, our sister wife podcasts on the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Um, and if you listen to our show, please make sure that you take the time to listen to these other great shows. Scotty, we've come to the end of another great show, and so I just have to ask you this. What's been your favorite drink of the week thus far? Mm. I think my favorite drink I've made so far is the gin and tonic I made with the Baltimore Shot Tower Gin. But if you remember correctly, in the 2014 season, I came up with a unique cocktail for Nelson Cruz. I believe it was the Whoa Nelly. Whoa Nelly. So Jake, I'm putting it out there now. The cocktail for the 2016 season is going to be the Trum Bomb. Ooh, that's frightening. So folks, let us know what should go in the Trum Bomb at hashtag Trum Bomb. My favorite drink of the week from this season has been the Heavy Seas Partnerships, their Hoppleback with Trogues, which was delightful. Make sure you rush out to the liquor store and grab one while you still can before this partnership has come to an end. And with that, Scott Magnus, for the 2016 Bevy Awards, I have nothing else, so I will bid all our listeners a fond adieu-adieu. Be safe out there, Baltimore, and let's... Go first place, O's.